from the Los Angeles Underground. It's time for your new favorite podcast, The Superiority Complex. It's like honey in your ear holes. Welcome back to the podcast, everyone. The Superiority Complex, your new favorite podcast. Many of you ask, what does that mean? It means we're your favorite. We're your one-stop shop for all things popular culture. Am I right? There's nothing we won't talk about. We'll talk about video games. We'll talk about movies. We'll talk about music. We'll talk about sports. We'll even dabble into politics sometimes. This sounds like a plug for our own show. But it is. Because it is. And today's a very special episode because tomorrow is Christmas Eve. So today is Christmas Eve Eve. So we're doing a video podcast for ourselves only, but you can hear our voices. Yay! I'm looking at the lovely Justine, who's got a, a little flip going on with her hair. I wish you folks could see it. Very 60s. Very Emma Peel. But you've also got the sweep. You've got the Jennifer Aniston going over the brow, going over the eye. And then yeah. it, it curves into a sweet into a flip. It's really beautiful. Yeah, it's it's more my shoulders pushing it up. It's the length is too long. <laughs> uh, well, we all agree that Patrick is a lucky, lucky, lucky man. I mean, I don't think there's anyone who disagrees, except the James Bond fans. I think they're the only ones that really take issue with you. By the way, everyone is loving the fact that you are being absolutely tortured by James Bond on the Twitter feed. You got, we got Why? we got a lot of positive reactions. Did uh, did um, Brent tell you that he sent us a Christmas gift? What he sent us a Christmas gift, and I was just about to get into that. Um, someone just popped in their head and to say hello, hello. Um, uh, we we got a gift from him, and I'm going to go over it right now. And John sent us a lovely gift too, by the way. Uh, John Sandy yeah. sent everyone lovely gifts, but uh, what did Brent send you? Brent, of course, we're talking about Brent from the Home Video Hustle, one of our best podcast, probably our best podcast friend. I'm gonna and, and a fantastic guy. He, he and PJ in the spirit over there at the Home Video Hustle. Hello and Merry Christmas to you guys, and thank you for the lovely gifts. What did he send to you, Patrick and Justine? Justine, the bag's over by you. For well, those of you, specifically oh. for me was James Bond. What? <laughs> he sent what me a spec. Spectre. Oh, ah, Spectre. 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 Daniel Craig. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's, so he's a good one. Yeah. 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 I want to get him Price Girls too, but I can't. Here, Spectre. Look at that. Look yeah. at him, look at him in that suit. That's slick. Does that not that do slick. it for you, Justine? Look at that. No. <laughs> <laughs> He's the best James Bond since Sean Connery. Yes. Then he gave us uh, Break In 2. Yes! Electric Boogaloo. Break In. (laughs) Beautiful. You got the Break In movies? I'm going to have to borrow those from you guys. (gasps) Superfly. Superfly. There you go. (laughs) Um, And then a PS4 game. Beautiful. Metal Wolf Chaos XD. Nice. It looks fun. That, that is that is a that is quite the assortment. I, I got know. you guys. I got it you is. guys a T-shirt. So enjoy that from your podcast. <laughs> uh, don't worry. You know, sometimes one day one day you I'll be. You can't always. One day I'll be. You can't always come out with the best. One day I'll be gainfully Brent. employed again, and we'll get you guys. Brent some, takes care of us. Yeah, we do. He does. I have a nice something, little something going on. 
something I picked up at the store a while ago. I don't know if you guys remember it, but uh, they're going to love it. And I'm hoping it will appear. What I'm really hoping, first of all, I hope they enjoy it, but I, I hope it appears in the background of one of their uh, their shows, upcoming shows. He sent me uh, the Criterion edition of Lone Wolf and Cub, nice. which, which we're going to discuss today because obviously we're going to be talking about The Mandalorian a little bit later. I never actually owned the Criterion edition, and there's a lot of extra stuff, uh, stuff in here. Beautiful. Um, including, these were actually um, re-edited into a movie called Shogun Assassin, so that's available on here too. So I'm really looking forward to digging into that. And I've never actually seen this. He gave me the remix, the remix, the remake of Assault on Precinct 13 mm. with mm. Uh, Lawrence, Fishburne, Lawrence Fishburne and, uh, and uh, Ethan Hawke with an E. Ethan Hawke. Is it just as good as the first one? I have heard mixed reviews but i will be the judge because we all love the first one I like it we we've mm-hmm. all loved the first one and i'm a big fan of, of Lawrence fishburne so or you know larry remix good called. remix pretty good i've seen it okay i'm gonna check it out i mean does it have that shocking scene that we all that shocked everybody in the first one it doesn't have the one okay shocked. only one way to find out shocked shocked i was shocked and then john sandy the one thing I don't have down here, John Sandy gave uh, sent me everybody a lovely package. Hold on, John, your package is lovely, by the way. I mean, I'm gonna grab it over here. <clears throat> gave me this book of uh, it's called In the Groove, uh, vintage record graphics uh, from 1940 to 1960. So it's a bunch of classic jazz album covers. Awesome, really, really great. Some Ooh, great... I like that middle one. Yeah. Is that weird? That's a really weird graphic. It kind of reminds me of um did you ever watch Monsters Inc., John? In the yep. beginning part? Yep. It kind of reminds me of that when they show the little doors and Yeah, and yeah. Do, 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 yeah. Do, 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 it's do, like UPA. Do. That that opening's great. Uh he got me a Thelonious Monk CD. Uh in what? Pa- <laughs> Thelonious Monk in Palo Alto. Ooh. And then he got me, I cannot wait to break these open, a set of playing cards from the Star Wars Holiday Special. Star Wars cigarettes. <laughs> are they singing carols? Yeah. That's awesome. They're all, they're all Christmas poses, basically. <laughs> they're <laughs> celebrating Life Day. Thank you, John. And Life Day. The one, he, I, the one that's on the tree is the, my Leon ornament. Leon the Snowman from Elf. Got me the ornament. Oh. Fantastic. Leon's fantastic. And a, and a wonderful card. Look, when you get a, something from John Sandy, you don't just get a card. Look at this envelope with a picture of Gene Krupa on it, and he's saying <laughs> Mario. And then you get inside, and he writes poetry inside, and they're beautiful cards. Oh, stop. <laughs> it, was, it was a wonderful sonnet I received. Wonderful. John, I love, I do really, John, I'm not kidding. Over the years, you you are you really are the best gift giver. You really are. Yep, every time. Mm-hmm. It's the most thoughtful. You knock oh, you, you, you knock it out of the park every time. Jake and Sandy did good this year, though. This they just year, were really thoughtful and hand delivered. My God, they knocked on my door. It was hand delivered with cookies and brownies. Yeah. Were they socially distant from you, John? They were. We were all wearing were masks. Safe? Good. I went out on the front safe. lawn, and we all kept about ten feet apart, but. Uh, it was wonderful. It was hand-delivered. Well, here's the thing that, that's annoying to me is we were going to surprise everybody 
and drive around on Christmas Day because we're not going anywhere. So we were going to deliver everyone's present on Christmas Day. Too late. Pop in and visit everybody. But nope. Here come, I get a text today. I'm sitting. I'm sitting in my underwear, just trying to relax, like I always do, before the podcast. And then we get a text from Sandy, and I'm like, "Oh, let me ignore it, like I always do." And then she called, and I said, "Oh my god, this must be serious. I thought something was wrong with Jake." And I, I foolishly answered the phone, and nothing was wrong with Jake. They were outside my door. Yep. And uh, we, we had a lovely little chat. But it, no, honestly, we appreciate it. They brought over baked goods. And I don't have it up here, but they brought me uh, an expansion for one of our favorite games, Dixit. I just wanted to say it that mm. way. What did you call me? Yeah, exactly. And they, <laughs> they got, Sandy bought Nicole this really fantastic vintage cookbook um, of cookies. The Betty Crocker. Yeah, it's a cookie. Betty. Is, it the, it's, it's is a, it the one with the white gingham on the front, the red and white gingham? It's, no, it's the Betty Crocker cookie book. Book. It's only cookies. Oh, cookie. It's they, all oh, treats. Man. Yeah, yeah. And it's original. It's an OG cookbook from like wow. 1963. It's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah. So that's heavy. It, yeah, yeah, Doc. So I think, yeah. yeah. I bought I bought gifts way or I was looking to buying gifts like in July and August. I think that's why my my presents are better this year. Your presents are always great. I, I waited yeah. until I was unemployed, and then I was like, oh, I got to get everybody a gift. So yeah. I just slapped it together. It was very slapdash the last minute. But uh, no, that's not it. I put a lot of thought into each gift that you guys get, uh, and I love you all. And uh, but nothing. I spent my days off asleep. No, <laughs> yeah, we're super behind. Nothing. No, don't even worry. It's not about. No, it's, don't worry it's about not it. about what you give. It's about it's the. About- receiving it's about yeah uh no we, we listen we're, we're all together there should be more appreciation for the one receiving right hey that's what she said um hello well we're only we've only been recording 10 minutes it seems much longer doesn't it? <laughs> it's christmas time on the podcast uh, now, a good sign, huh? now we'd like to. Uh, no, I'm kidding. Well, we would like to favor you with a with our favorite Christmas Carol. Uh, John, would you like to start? I know. Is we, it still sponsored by Northgate Market? We have a sponsor today. I'm going to talk about a gift I got from my wife. Northgate Market. Well, we are. We do have some Northgate tamales in the uh, fridge because uh, my daughter is very picky about what she eats, especially around. She's not a big fan of holiday foods. Um, that's a shame. Doesn't like turkey, doesn't like ham, anything like that. She likes the sides, but really? she's a big fan really? of the Christmas tamale. And uh, we didn't get a lot of tamales this year, so I went to Northgate, and uh, where they always have them last minute. And uh, our unofficial sponsor, Northgate Supermarket, uh, pick, they came through with some beautiful uh, burrito, uh, burritos, tamales, beautiful tamales, beautiful. You can't. It's not Christmas without tamales, guys. So It's really not. That's true. That's Gotta true. have something done, right? That's right. If you're Mexican, it's the old joke. Um, uh, Pat Francis, my wife, uh, Pat Francis, our friend Pat Francis, show host of the Rock Solid Show. Who Pat Francis? He is our our friend Pat Francis. He does a thing oh, on Pat Francis. He does show a thing on podcast. He does a thing on Cameo. Isn't that hosted by Pat Francis? I think so. Well, the Cameo is definitely hosted by Pat Francis. Host of the Rock Solid podcast. So if you like, if you are a fan of Kiss. Or you don't like Kiss. Either way, you call up Pat Francis and you say, "Pat Francis." You you contact him via via Cameo. He has a little puppet that looks like Paul Stanley, 
And Paul Stanley will send your friend a Christmas greeting. And it is fan. <laughs> it is fantastic. It is amazing. Those who don't know uh, who that is. That uh, is who. John, tell, tell us a little bit about Paul Stanley. Well, you know Kiss, right, Jake? Yeah. So he's the one with the star over his eye, the black star over his eye. Mm-hmm. The star with child. the lipstick. <laughs> That's uh, it. Which one is that? They all have it. Oh, uh, you know, it's the one. That- <laughs> <laughs> which one? Uh, you know, I things w- lead on uh, things lead on love gun. Take it, Mario. Yeah, you pull the trigger. We always we always want to do a John and I always talk about doing a mariachi cover of uh, Love Gun, where you're like, it's like you pull the trigger of my dun 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 pistola de amor. That's how that would go. Oh, that's for all you Coco fans uh, out there. Um, no, so he sent me this. It's hilarious. It's absolutely wonderful. Uh, so it, it's it's funny. It's a little looks like a little Muppet. It's a little puppet with a stick for the hands. And it's, oh, it's the best. And Pat does a really fantastic uh, Paul Stanley impersonation. And he will try to jam as many words in the greeting that contain the word S uh, as possible, it's just fantastic. So it, it just it really brings out the the lisp in the Paul Stanley. So it, it's fantastic. So shout out to Pat Francis and hit him up on Cameo if you want. So he's our, another unofficial sponsor today. It, when my wife sent me the link, I was overjoyed to see uh, Paul Stanley in my. Oh, what are you drinking there, Justine? You enjoying a beverage? Vodka. That's a lot of vodka. <laughs> wow. That's a lot of vodka. It's been a long Christmas season. <laughs> Merry Christmas. I like that you're drinking it straight, Merry though. Merry Christmas, everybody. So, Merry Christmas. Yeah. Hey, are you guys, uh, when, are you guys have any days off this week? All. Next three days. Beautiful. That's Today. awesome. Thank God. And Hopefully. Then, and then it's return time. People got to return the, the pom-poms and the googly eyes. No, they return Christmas trees and everything. We always get returns. You can buy Never Christmas trees at Michael's? Yeah, we yes. sell some really nice fake trees. I have really uh, nice trees. my mom. And then they return it two days after. My mom doesn't yeah. listen to the show because she doesn't know what a podcast is, and she wouldn't know how to access it even if she knew. But uh, I got her. My friend Caitlin did a print for me. Caitlin to Spain, former host of the show. Shout out to Caitlin. Um, I really should have her address here um, so you can check out some of her art. But just Google Caitlin to Spain artist. And she will come up. Uh, she did a beautiful print. Um, she showed it on Instagram, and I asked her if she would make a print for me. And I, I, it, I just got here on Monday, and I need to get it framed for my mother. So I got to remember to hit up Michaels. Well, your mother. But that I think Put that's a brand one. You that, know somebody who works there. That's gonna wait until after Christmas. I think that's gonna wait until after Christmas. Um, she has a nice aluminum chicken coming so she'll really be over the moon about that aluminum chicken yeah my mom collects chickens and roosters anything with like a chicken or a rooster on it and they're these big mm. they're these big aluminum like metal they're they're you know like metal art and they're decorated they're decorative for the out of doors and my mom has a rooster and she wanted the chicken that went along with it and i found it mm. so this is going to be an exciting christmas for mom what did you all get your significant others, parents, brothers, sisters, what did you guys get? for? What is the, your favorite gift that you picked somebody out this year? You don't have to tell me. And not if they're getting it. John, what do you get your brother every year? 
Brothers are hard to shop for. Uh, I got him something really cool. It was like a pop culture history of Christmas. Oh, it's a see? great big book. It, 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 it covers all the stuff from like the 50s right up to the 70s. And so it's all the uh, records, uh, TV shows, cartoons, toys, all this stuff. 50s, 60s, 70s uh, Christmas pop culture. That's amazing. And he's into that stuff just like I am. Yeah, yeah. So um, that's, uh, you know, uh, yeah, that, I already gave it to him and it, it yeah, blew his mind. How do you feel so, about the Jug Band Christmas? John, how do you feel about What's that? What's that? How do you feel about the Jug What's Band that? Christmas? Jug Band Christmas? Oh, what was that? Was that a Jim Henson thing? Yeah, it was a Jim Henson thing. It was Emmett oh. Otter's Jug Band Christmas. Hmm. John has no I vote. I do remember that. John has I no vote on that. Nowhere. Yeah. Okay. And John, what would you say is your favorite Christmas special of all the Christmas specials? Uh Oh, you know. Uh, the the Chuck Jones the original Grinch is pretty good. Okay, and um, and the Charlie Brown Christmas, mm-hmm. and the Rankin Bass Rudolph. I guess those are, those are the big three. That's the that's the hat trick right there. Okay, all right. Uh, Justine, what was your favorite gift you 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 purchased this year for someone? If it's for Patrick, don't say it. Then give us your second one. I didn't buy anyone a gift this year. Good for you. Don't. <laughs> it's not about not as a Grinch way, but. Listen. And then he's one, so he doesn't know what Christmas Day is. Yeah. And I constantly get him toys, so I'm not really giving him a Christmas gift. And then give him uh, a box. He's one. Just give him a box. Wrap a box. Honestly, I, that's all he needs. I already made a tree for him. I made him his own Christmas tree. Oh so. well, what? That's a gift. There you yeah. go. I mean, it's not for him. It's just up for him, but he doesn't take it home or anything. That's great. Yeah. I saw your. It has stuffed animals inside of it. Nicole was that? Nicole was showing you. You were talking to Nicole, I think, on Marco Polo, and yeah. you you were showing her I'm a tree. A, a show, you were showing her a tree that you did. Beautiful, mm-hmm. absolutely beautiful. I did one with a bunch of Mickey stuffed animals, and then I did another one with Beanie Babies from my sister. That was a, that was the one I saw. That was the one I saw. <laughs> yeah, Princess Di made it, guys. She she made what? it. Beautiful, yeah. Princess Di. Yeah, her beanie baby. She's, I had to take it out of baby? this little container. It has a there's little a, plastic cover for his tag. It's <laughs> a princess dyed beanie baby? Yeah, he's worth yeah, a lot of money. That's the most expensive one. Wow. That's uh, crazy. During Right before the beanie baby craze hit, I had a friend that worked in a toy store. And it was the toy store in Uptown, John. It's at, it's like a bed, bath, and beyond. It's like a, not, it's a bath and body works or something now. Uh, right next to Lovells, right? Yeah, exactly. I used to go yeah. in there. My friend worked in there, and I used to buy. They sold those things two for five bucks, and I used to pick them up for Nicole all the time. Like once a week, I'd go. And like six or seven months later, these things were huge. And I remember Nicole ended up selling a bunch of them and bought a laptop. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah. That's great. She went, she, uh, she, that's it, wonderful. That was back when laptops were like, you know, all the they were expensive back then. But um, yeah, she had a couple of the rare ones and she we, we didn't know that they were going to explode. And then yeah, I think people yeah. held on to them for too long is what happened. Or they started making too right. many of them and it never quite hit. But Nicole sold while they were hot. I remember she got quite a bit of money out of those things. So I was like, hey. You got to like, time it just right. She's like, are you going to be mad if I sell these? I was like, absolutely not. Get rid of your trash. I believe, if I'm not mistaken, I believe she also got a Nintendo 64 with that money. I believe. 
I might it's have like the, you got her a laptop. I might have the timing <laughs> wrong. I might have the timing wrong, but I, I feel like the it's like, it's like you got her a laptop. The nin, Nintendo sixty four appeared around that time. I could be wrong. Some pop culture mm. historian out there will correct me if that's if that's wrong, mm. and I deserve it. I deserve it. Um, I wasn't <laughs> I wasn't paying attention in the nineties. I missed on on the whole grunge thing too. Um, <laughs> I really the whole, did. The whole grunge. I really did. I was I was never into any of that. I was too busy listening. He's like, to... you woke up one day and said, "Why is everyone wearing flannel?" And <laughs> yeah, well, I was wearing flannel too. I just didn't. I was wearing flannel too because I'm from Whittier. I just didn't listen to the to the to yeah. the grunge. Uh, you want a big sound garden? Fan, uh, huh? No, yours buttoned right here, right? And of course, unbutton. one and then unbuttoned. There you go. Now you're talking. Now you're speaking my lengua. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I was you know I was listening to the Beatsy Boys at that time. Come on, you know what I mean. Um, Patrick, uh, I only bought Justine Christmas presents. Okay, don't say anything then. What is your favorite She's Christmas special? Them. She got them like a month ago. What? what, what Justine what? always gets her Christmas presents early. Yeah, well, she's she's the boss. Yeah, she is. <laughs> do you have a Do you have a favorite uh, Christmas uh, special? Um, I know you hate Christmas. I always really liked. I was well. I hate retail Christmas. There's a difference. I hate people around Christmas. Yes. Um, <laughs> that's what it is. Honestly, like people are just shitty this time of year. Of course. Um, I really, when I was growing up, I really liked uh, the Grinch, the original one. The cartoon was always fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I also really liked the Rudolph one. Yes. Right on. All right. Yeah. I mean, I don't really count. My favorite Christmas movie is a Christmas special, but what is it? Uh, it's Wonderful Life. Yeah, you know, I thought you liked White Christmas. You made me watch that. White Christmas is fantastic too. Which is which is the one with where the Bing and blackface? Is that White Christmas? Or is that Holiday Inn? That's Holiday Inn. Oh. Holiday Inn. Yikes! Yeah. Yikes! That's the one that makes you feel like Holiday Inn. <laughs> That's the one that now has a. Uh, a 90-minute intro explaining the cultural context. Yeah. Of it. Yep. <laughs> it's crazy, man. It's crazy. Like, yeah. well, we like we talked about this. We we watched uh, Trading Places earlier, which would have been a great Christmas movie. And I totally forgot that scene is in there. With, and you're like, what yeah. is going on? This is 1980s. It's the 80s. What are we doing? I know. Um, you do like a spit take. You're like, what the fuck? <laughs> well, even you know, even even the maid in uh, It's a Wonderful Life. She's she's there's yeah. like she's 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 balanced. It's like, ooh, this is uh, eh, ooh. yeah, yeah. But uh, you know, uh, we, we hopefully we know better. We don't, but hopefully we do. Uh, well, we don't. Jake, what was your favorite gift you picked somebody picked up for somebody this year? Um, I think it was Patrick's. I'm excited him. to use that book. I got him a, a Dungeons and Dragons themed cookbook. Oh, it's great! It's, a, it's an officially <laughs> it's an officially licensed book too from from uh, Wizards of the Coast. Whoa! <laughs> it looks good. So when run is over, we're you know cooking through it. Uh, Nerd. N- <laughs> 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 I saw it. I went to shuffle, What's uh, great? shuffle and cut one day. I'm like, oh, I'm bored. They're open. Okay, I'll go. What's and I great? saw it on the shelf. I'm like, yep, I'm buying it. For those of you not at home, we're using Google. We're using the Google. Uh, we're not using, what is it? What 
program are we at? Google's. We're Google using the meetings. Google that, Hangouts. Google yeah. Meetings. Or Google Meets. Yeah. So yeah. whenever anyone speaks, the camera switches over to them. So yeah. you just heard Justine say, nerd, and the camera cut to her, and you just see her giving the most disapproving look to the camera. Yeah. Thanks, Justine. It's like that Rainier Wolf cast when he goes, I found out my son was a terrible nerd. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. That's good stuff. Oh, Ugh. I love it. Uh, Such disdain. Yeah. You guys are you guys are really fantastic. Um, what a great show. It's Christmas time, of course. Uh, we're all together. Maybe you're listening to this on Christmas Eve. Maybe you're listening to this on Christmas Day. And we just want to wish you all here a Merry Christmas from our friends at the Superiority Complex. And we would like to sing a special Christmas song for you that we've been rehearsing uh, for a long time now. John, would you like to uh, start that out? I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> just, I was just hoping you'd sing something and we'd all join in. Uh, uh, how about... Happy birthday to you. Are you doing the offensive my way yeah. Filipino uh but we chime certain <laughs> What is that? Oh yeah, do that one, John. Do that. How about we all drink a bunch and do Marshmallow World by uh D. Martin? It's a marshmallow world in the winter. It's a marshmallow world for you, sweetheart. There you go. Mm-hmm. Who are you calling, sweetheart? There's a, there, there is a, a verse in there where he says uh, something about your, your favorite girl, and he does sound drunk. Uh, so he does. Listen he to that. Sounds like he's got a tumbler full of brandy. Mm-hmm. And then Not a goes, drop of alcohol. The moon is red like a pumpkin head. It's like, what? Is this a Christmas carol? That's right. <laughs> How is that? That's right. And then How he, many drugs mm, have you done, yeah. sir? The moon is red like a pumpkin head, and even the moon's afraid of me. That's what he says right there. <laughs> <laughs> That's the Dean Martin, Claude Rains the, Christmas The Claude album. Rains Christmas. The James Mason Christmas album. <laughs> yes, uh, sleigh bells ring. Are you listening in the lane? Snow is glistening. <laughs> Face the master. Yeah. <clears throat> Mr. Land, it is the, we will celebrate the birth of our savior. Uh, <clears throat> Come taste the masters, we slay faster. <laughs> hey. so the, uh, the, the figgy pudding is actually the unborn squid. Yes. Uh, look, it's like when Bowie, Bowie comes over. It's my neighbor, James Mason. Yes, uh, hello, David Bowie. Uh, perhaps you would like that. to sing a little drummer boy. Pa-rum-pa-pum-pum. Oh, you sound drunk. Uh, by the way. That, that's the greatest <laughs> Christmas moment of all time. But David Bowie and Bing Crosby. There you go. The greatest 10 minutes of all time. Today, my daughter and I were driving to run a couple of errands and had some Christmas music playing. And uh, uh, Santa Claus is coming to town. Came on, and I, I always the, the the lyrics to Christmas song like you just mentioned it, John in Marshmallow World. The lyrics to Christmas music are just insane. And uh, in uh, 
in the uh, in that particular song, there's a line that says, uh, Rudy Toot Toots and Rummy Tum Tums. I feel embarrassed just saying it. And I turned to my daughter and I said, what are Rudy Toot Toots and Rummy Tum Tums? And without batting an eye, my daughter said, aren't those the guys from Cats? <laughs> yeah. I mean, she's not. I mean, she's pretty close. Chip off the old block. I was so proud of her. I was so proud of her. I didn't, I didn't laugh because I didn't want to give it to her, but I really, it, it was great. It was fantastic. God bless oh, her. Oh, I don't believe it. I think you belly laughed. Oh, I did. I, I chortled. I chuckled. I... I, uh, I, John, by the way, Eric of Aragon wanted me to let you know that the reason he said you had a good show the other day was because you called me on my BS about not uh, about blaming the Beatles for Paul McCartney's horrible Christmas album. And he says, hey, he says that you're the only one that will call me on my BS. And first of all, I'd like to let you know that it, I am the host, so it is not BS. And, um, mm-hmm. and so I still say <laughs> that is a horrible Christmas song. And if we hadn't had the Beatles, we wouldn't have to listen to that. We wouldn't have been subjected to that. So, well, it was very nice of him to notice that. And like, like I told John today, my insanity is consistent because I just watched a documentary about the wonderful Linda Ronstadt on HBO. And, uh, you know, she had, she was such a, uh, she's the reason that Don Henley and Glenn Fry met. So I, Completely blame her for the Eagles as well, so don't think it's just that I have it out for the for the Beatles, you know, because obviously are you going to call her up? Are you going to call up Linda Ronstadt and say I blame you for the Eagles? I'm going to call her up and I'm going to say you're no good, you're no good, you're no good, <laughs> Linda, you're no good, which is a lie. She's fantastic, but I, you know, mm-hmm. she, she did voice the Beatles or the Eagles upon us, you know, and. As Jeff Bridges once said, I hate the freaking Eagles, man. Yeah, man. Also, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw this out there. I think Linda Ronstadt's cover of Desperado is better than the original. I'll say it. I think, they, I think uh, Don Henley agrees with you. That was like the first take. <laughs> so I don't think he likes their version any more than you do. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, there you go. How do you like that? How do you like them? I'll say it right now. <laughs> how, do you, how, do you, how do you like them apples? Uh, guys, we have not sung our Christmas carol yet. What do we decide on? Where do we land? Silence. Okay, Silent Night. I get it. Silent Night. Something shoes. It looked like four statues. You said, what are we going to sing? And it looked like four statues. I don't know what I'm doing with my voice there. That was really, uh, that's when when I'm trying to calm down the honk. The Hulk, the hunk. When I'm trying to call down, oh, yeah. calm down what the hunk. Sing, what does she sing to him to calm him down? Sun's what going, does she sun, sun's going down, big guy. <laughs> sun's going down. Hey, hey, big guy. It'd be so great if Banner's like, "What the hell are you talking about?" Well, they kind of do a, they kind of turn it into a joke in Thor Ragnarok, because Thor tries it, mm-hmm. and then he gets beat up like right. Loki. Yeah, yeah. It only, it only works if you look like Scarlett Johansson. That's right. Hey, hey, how you doing? Hey. Hey, big guy. Hey, she could have said anything and it would have calmed hey, him down. Hey, hey, hey. I know. <laughs> not a scratch. Really get the uh, blood calm. It gets the blood pumping. Hey, not, that's not true. A, not that's a scratch. True. Not a scratch. I, I'm doing like, a, I'm, I'm doing a rewatch of the great uh, Agent Carter on Disney mm. Plus, and uh, as if 2020 couldn't get any worse, I think I thought, well, here's Haley Atwell, obviously beautiful woman, uh, could be. My backup, backup wife after Selma Hayek. Like if something happens to Selma Hayek, God forbid, 
here's someone who could and Britain. Here's someone who could stay, you know, could be right there. And then I found out she's dating Tom Cruise. Uh Really? They're doing they're doing Mission Impossible Seven together, and the rumors are that they're dating. So, I mean, that's just. Ugh. So is is she screaming? Is she screaming at the crew as well? Twenty 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 twenty. If you just when mm. you think it doesn't get worse, kicks you right in the gut. So mm. I can't. Uh, I can't. You know, be, I can't it's be. It's gonna seeing... be over. It's it's gonna be over in what uh, five days? <laughs> I can't be seen with a woman who's been seen with. Um, with with Tom Cruise, mm. that's just not. Uh, mm. You know what I'm saying? But Agent Carter mm. w- worth a rewatch. Did not get its due. Great show. No, she's great. Anybody? Nothing. Why? She's great. Why doesn't she have never more of a career? It. She's wonderful. You never watched it. <clears throat> the only problem with she's it- in White Christmas. Which one? Oh, sorry. Um, not White Christmas. Black Mirror. That's an episode. Oh. I've heard. She's in that. Really? I've heard about hers, that episode. Her episode is, I mean, they're all tough, but whew, hers is really tough. Wow. She's, she's really great in uh, in Agent Carter, and uh, I wish she had more to do. And she's great with James Darcy, who plays Jarvis. They have a really good uh, good relationship. Mm-hmm. It's really, really, really well done. The, the only knock against it is that it feels like a network TV show, if you know what I mean. It doesn't, yeah. you know, we're used to more cinematic stuff with cable now. And it feels very much like a network show. Was it Channel Seven? She was ABC. Yeah, a- ABC. ABC. Okay. Mm-hmm. I mean, they well, give it. Should have just went to like Netflix or something. Yeah, her all the fight scenes she has are really well done and good. Those stand out, but the show just feels like a TV series. Like it feels like TV. You know, sometimes when you're watching like Mad Men or something, it doesn't always feel like you're watching a TV show. It's I think really it's well. One of the reasons I never watched it. Uh, Agent Carter. Yeah, it's worth what you know. It's a quick. The episodes are forty minutes long, so if you're gonna, if you want some of the stream, it's only two seasons, and I think one season is only eight. I think the first season is only eight episodes. The second season is ten, so you'll crank it out in like a day or two. So check it out. Worth a rewatch, man. What are you, what are you drawing there, Patrick? Now, guys, uh, it's time for the Digital Movie Club. What, well, what, and we just want to say Merry Christmas. That's really the point of the last 45 minutes. It's just to say Merry Christmas to the gang. Uh, before, we get into the digital, before we get into the Digital Movie Club, though, we do have to talk about the last episode of The Mandalorian. Patrick, do you want to let everybody know uh, who made an appearance this, this episode in the season finale? Luke Skywalker. Jake, who? Who, who was it? They asked you. Yeah, but you spoke. <laughs> oh, oh, oh shit! Is there a chicken Shut loose? Up. What is that? Was it? It's that might as well be a chicken. <laughs> Was that a chicken? If you could do the honors, Patrick. Uh, Luke Skywalker showed up. John Luke Skywalker showed up. You mean the guy from Two Live Crew? That's it. That's right. That's wow! One. Holy cow! The one, the only. That's crazy. Uh, it made uh, perfect sense. Yeah, Luke Skywalker okay. showed. So it worked. It worked, huh? Story wise, uh, it worked. Story wise, yes. Visually, it was a little. Uh, I would have been a lot happier if they had just cast somebody who maybe looked like him, or just cast somebody altogether different, uh, just may- to play Luke Skywalker. Maybe get Sebastian Why? Shaw. Like yeah, a- yeah. Uh, the CGI they were trying to attempt to do what they had done with Rogue One where they'd done like Tarkin and Leia. Um, so it was CGI Luke and it was okay. Um, but 
it wasn't the best quality in the world. Well, the Why problem with CGI, what year is it? Why do a CGI loop? Because it's, it's right after, it's five years after Return of the Jedi. Okay. So he's still young. Yeah, so he's still young. So it's him okay. doing the voice, but the voice, and you can tell they had to like pitch the voice differently because he's got, he's older now, so his voice is deeper than it was when he was that age. So they had to, they had to pitch the voice higher so it doesn't quite look yeah. like it's coming out of the body. And then that CGI, just it's it, there's still that uncanny valley. It looks like Luke, but it doesn't look like he's real. It doesn't look human. Yeah. It's okay. kind of like what they did with Robert Downey Jr. in uh, Marvel for <laughs> Iron Man. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It always they made him look really young. It always yeah. looks a little creepy. And uh, so... But it was a great moment. They gave him a really great moment, and he does have a moment to shine. And it's a, it, it was a great finish to uh, yeah. to the series uh, finale. Did we get Terry when it was R two D two. Yeah, you know that part where R two thought, "Oh crap, it's another Yoda. It's Baby Yoda." Like you know, R two D two is calling him Baby Yoda. R two D two is going to beat me on the head too. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> yeah, R two man, R two got a little moment there, and it was nice to see him. And you got to see how much of a badass Luke has become. Uh, so what, watching it again, that scene was well done, but what, what left me flat was the score. Um, the score yeah. was not nearly, cause I, what it made me want to do was watch, rewatch the scene in Rogue One where Vader made his appearance and there's kind of a parallel there. And that scene yeah. was much more epic with the music and it was much more grandiose. And I felt like who's a, doing the music uh, for the TV show. Uh, I the music? can't say his name. He does a great job. It's just that scene happened to need more. Mm. The uh, the score for for Mandalorian is a little minimalist. I think it's very much a, very very much indicative of a of a spaghetti western, evocative of a spaghetti mm. western is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Um, I, I thought the scene was pretty epic. I just felt like that mm-hmm. score was like a little down. I don't know. I felt like it needed more. I watched it with, I watched it by myself and then I watched it about four more times with everyone else who watched it. I just sat with them every time it was their first, just watch, to watch first time them. watching yeah. it. And yeah. like just see their reaction. But um, did it save the franchise I, for you? Every time like he was on, I was smiling the whole time. I was on like, yes, yes. Yeah. That's why I like Jedi. <laughs> this is exactly why I would want to be a Jedi. <laughs> Yeah, it was. You no, know, he's pretty amazing, and you you realize how powerful he's become. Um, I like that he's got a little bit of the. He's not just a Jedi, but he uses a little bit of like the Sith powers too, because he like crushes the Dark Trooper and does all that stuff. Really cool stuff. Uh, but I just wanted that score to soar, and it just kind of went. But you wanted a bigger musical moment. I yes, understand what you're saying. Yes, 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 yes. But I did love when Baby Grogu was like rubbing the screen. Because he knew Jedi was coming for him, uh, that was and, that scene was really well done. And then you know when he said his goodbye and all that stuff was really really great. What are we gonna do about uh, about Bo Katan? Now we got to fight. We we have the dark saber. There's all that whole thing. So I feel like well, that, not even that. Why? We well okay. So Luke brought in a bunch of Jedi's to train. Correct. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Go ahead and say it. I know what you want and to say. And Ben Solo was one of those, correct? Yeah, so he's going to kill yeah. Grogu. Then Ben Ben Solo killed all of those Jedi. Yep, yep. yep. So you're so already... Grogu. So Ben killed Grogu is what I'm saying. For sure. Yep. Oh, yeah. So For I sure. don't know how that makes everyone else feel. 
Well, I it, still love him. It makes mm. you hate. <laughs> it makes you hate Kylo Ren even more because you know that he did that. He yeah. makes me love him. <laughs> That's depressing. Uh, did, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, did you guys like? To, how was the season overall for you guys? Um, I enjoyed it. Um, I thought it was really well done. I I think I liked it. A little bit more than the first season because I think there was just two episodes in the first season that were really flat mm-hmm. and didn't do much. Um, so it was kind of nice to see that character growth and develop and development. And this felt like a grander scale. Um, so yeah, I, I I like this one. Patrick, or I'm sorry, you're Patrick Jake. Yes. How'd you feel about this season, buddy? I thought it was great. I do like it a little bit more than the first season. Um, but yeah, I thought it was overall just solid. Justin? Um, I like this one. They introduced Rosario, da- Rosario Dawson's character really mm-hmm, well. Mm-hmm. Um, that's pretty memorable. Um, I might like the first season better. Uh, it's just that episode and this last one that I like more. Okay. That does it, but um, the first season I enjoyed a little bit more than this one. Yeah, I thought there was three episodes that stood out. This, this last one, I thought the one with uh, Rosario Dawson, and I thought the, uh, the the one where Boba Fett came back, the one that Rodriguez directed. I thought those were all standout. Really felt mm-hmm. I I felt like un, I felt both seasons are uneven, and I feel like they could get away with doing six instead of ten. I feel like they still have a lot of filler for as small of a, of an ep, of an arc there is every season, you know. But, um, I, you know, I I understand that people want, you know, I, I feel like six isn't enough for some people, but six to eight, I feel is like that sweet spot for those little mini series, you know. I feel like eight episodes is good. That's a good arc. But uh, so I feel like there was still a need to have filler, like you had the Bill Burr episode, you know, between. Between Boba Fett's return and this one, I felt like that story would have been stronger if you would just if you didn't have that Bill Burr episode in the middle. You know, I what still I mean? think he did well. Though. He did. He like, was a good episode. It was just kind of filler, and it was also a little bit of a, a recall to Wages of Fear. If you ever seen that movie, John, mm. you, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, John, John knows. What, John, how did you feel about this season? I didn't see it. I know. Son of a bitch, John. John, how was the gossip about this season? This season. I don't really keep up with that stuff. All the fanboy stuff, I don't keep up with Good that. for you. Good for you, John. That's why we like you. That's why we're here. That's why you're here. Somebody did mention, um, somebody did was writing about, uh, you know, did you ever see Sorcerer? It was a remake of Wages of Fear. With, uh, was it Roy Scheider? Yeah, it was William Friedkin. It came out the same summer as Star Wars, and it got buried by Star Wars. Um, it didn't, it was kind of a, a bomb because Star Wars was taking up all the screens. And they somebody did mention that there was a parallel. There was something happening in this last episode. They said it's funny that Sorcerer got completely slapped down by Star Wars, and now there's a scene very reminiscent of Sorcerer yeah, in this last that's episode. That's exactly what it reminded me of. I sort of, they're, they're, yeah. yeah. But, I, but that was a remake of Wages of Fear. That's right. Uh, a bunch of guys have to drive a truck full of nitroglycerin through the jungle um, is the, the story of the plot there. Uh John, we also got a post-credit sequence that shows Boba Fett returning to Jabba's palace and killing uh, Jabba's little right-hand man, Bib Fortuna, 
And he then, got a uh, big fat tuna. Yeah, he got big. He got fat. He gives a big boy now. And uh, then uh, taking over the, the sitting on Jabba's throne. Really? How, how do you feel about that? Wow. With an Whatever happened to Salacious, Salacious Crumb? He, he, died in, <laughs> he died in the sail barge explosion. <laughs> Is that right? Yeah, he was on the he sail got, barge, remember? Oh, that's right. Yeah. yeah. Salacious Crumb. That's yeah. right. Uh, all right, guys. That's our Mandalorian chat. We'll see where it goes. Boba Fett's going to be spun off into his own show, as is Rodar- Rosario is Dawson. Right? Yep. Yeah. The book, really? the book really? of uh... the book of Boba Fett, and then Ahsoka Tana will be getting her own show. Also, Obi Wan, Obi Wan will be getting his show. Are they still, mm-hmm. still going to do uh, Ewan McGregor as Obi Wan? Yeah. Yeah, that's what. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Why is it taking so long? Well, because they were going to do it as a movie. I think, and then they they switched yeah. it over. They changed gears. Also, COVID. Also, no, right. Uh, uh, I, I forgot. <laughs> though, and the I forgot and that. the show I'm least excited about. They're doing Young Sheev Palpatine. Young who? Sheev. I'll pass. Sheev. Sheevy boy. Sheev. I don't know who that is. Palpatine. Palpatine. His first name is. Oh, Sheev. is that right? His first name is Sheev. Ah. God, do we really want to see the nope. Adventures of the Young Palpatine? Nope. No. I th- if it, God, it, has Star Wars not learned their lesson? I want to see Admiral Akbar. Cool. <laughs> as a little, as a little unborn squid. Yeah. Oh hell he yeah! He starts off. He starts off in that pudding that uh, James Mason is serving. Uh, hello, I've delivered you into the world. The world of Mon Calamari. My name is Dr. Octopi, and you are a baby, and you will be named Akbar. Who's, who's getting a call? Who is it? Hello. Hello, Hello McLean residence. Is you know, your mom home? If, that, uh, if uh, James Mason gives that bowl of uh, pudding... To Kirk Douglas and the pudding says it's a trap. There you go. I there like to put I like to put James Mason in all the villain roles of an every movie. So I'd like to see yeah. I'd like to see Die Hard with James Mason. That would be great. Hey, he probably would have been a great uh, uh, you know Grand Moff Tarkin. You know, <laughs> or is it tar- or is it Tarkin? Tarkin. It's too, well, he was around. You know, he's like yeah, he could have done it. Uh, charming <laughs> to the last. <clears throat> All right, let's get going here, guys. It's time right. for the <laughs> COVID. COVID. Rona. It's time for the Digital Movie Club. Here we are. Rampum, rampum, pa rampum. Digital movies. Ba 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 bum. Digital movies. Ba 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 bum. You're in the Digital club. Movie. Beautiful. Welcome back, guys. It's time for the Digital Movie Club. This week, two Christmas classics. <laughs> Why are you laughing? Because one, there's neither of them is Christmas classics. Like one of them wasn't even a Christmas movie, but we did it because there was snow in it. How about that? <laughs> there is a connection, though, because this is the movie that basically launched the the Home Alone franchise. Because of his work in this film, young Michele Culkin was chosen to be 
the star of Home Alone. So mm. there is a connection to Christmas here, albeit and a- John Candy to um to uh, her. I forgot her name. To her, albeit albeit a tenuous one. It is going to end. Uh, you mean to uh, to our favorite our um, Canada sweetheart? Um, uh, why can't I think of her name? Uh, like uh, I said, Catherine O'Hara. <laughs> yeah, Catherine O'Hara. All right, guys. Which one do you want to do first? We watched Uncle Buck and Die Hard Two: Colon Die Harder. That's really the name of the movie, Die Harder. I like to think it is Die Hardening. Oh, nice. That that's probably three. It's probably three. All right, we'll do. Uh, let's do Uncle Buck since it's the least Christmassy, and then we'll go into the it's celebration. And, it comes out before Die Hard, also. That's right, because Die Hard is mm. technically nineteen ninety. Yeah. So Uncle Buck yeah. is uh, 1989. Nine. 1989, yeah. Sound of a drum. Okay. Uh, why don't you give us the breakdown on that, Patrick, if you're not taking notes? Good job. Take it away, Patrick. <laughs> this 1989 film released on August 16th. Got a 7 uh, on IMDb. 61% on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, released, uh, directed by one John Hughes, as well as written by one John Hughes. I do. Um, with a budget of $15 million, grossed worldwide $79.2 million. How do you like that? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Let's, uh, let's start with the ladies today. The ladies. Ladies. All the ladies. Go ahead, Jake. Go. Hey, Justine, Uncle Buck, give us the breakdown. I've never seen Uncle Buck, and um, it's 80s. Yep, very 80s. <laughs> very much so. Very 80s. Um, at the end of it, I just had songs in my head. Mm-hmm. A lot of different songs in my head mm-hmm. after watching this film. I could not... The whole day, get it out of my head. One thing um, about one thing about John Hughes movies, and you saw this in Plain Strange and Automobiles, his soundtracks are all over the place. There's everything in those. And there's everything in there. He's just a. It's it's crazy. There's no rhyme or reason to his soundtracks, but that's kind of a that's kind of yeah. emblematic of a John Hughes production. Which song did you have in your head mostly? I don't even want to think about it because it'll get stuck in my head again. What is it? What was it? Patrick, Patrick had to rewatch it, and I was like, "Fuck." <laughs> well, you could tell. Him. Was it Tone Loke? Was it Tone Loke? Um. Isn't Wild Thing yeah. in there? Or mm-hmm. yeah, Wild Thing got in my head, and um, there's a song at the party that got in my head too. Dressed in yellow. Oh, bust a move. Yeah, Just thank you. Move. Yep. I got that in my head. She's um, dressed in yellow. She says hello. Come to. I can't even talk now. I can't. A good fella. And then, um, yeah, I mean the songs. They were all catchy. It all got stuck in my this head. Is, this is um, this. Here's a jam for all the fellas trying to do what those ladies tell us. Get shot down because you're overzealous. Play hard to get females get jealous. Okay, smarty, go to a party. Girls are scantily clad and showing body. A girl walks up. You wish you could sex her, but you're standing on the wall like you was Poindexter. Next day's function, high class luncheon. I'm sorry. Go ahead. <clears throat> um. At first, I was really pissed off at the daughter in the beginning. Because she was such a lousy was like, actress. <laughs> well, I was just yeah. Besides that, I was like, 
let your mom have her job mm-hmm. and be a mom. Why are you guilting her? Like, you're such a bitch. I was mm-hmm. so mad. Yep. You wouldn't understand, like, She mom. can work and be your mother. You need to calm down. I was very upset about that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I had to move on. I didn't understand. So in that whole timeline, I had to ask Patrick while he was watching it. I don't get how she mended things with her mom. I don't understand that. Patrick said she dealt with some things, you know, with a guy. And I was like, but how did that make her respect her mom? Like, I still didn't really understand, like, what happened there. I think it just seems if I may, I think it's that she realized that people through Uncle Buck, she realized that people have been caring for her and she'd been a total shit. And I think she was ready to like mend. Like she felt like she was being marginalized, but she saw that there were still people that cared about her. You know, mm. and that's what un- the uncle showed her. Because here's someone mm-hmm. who doesn't even here's someone who doesn't even know me that well, and he's gone through all this trouble to make sure I'm safe. And my mom's been trying to break through for months and months and months, and I've been sitting there being an absolute b word to her. So I think that's maybe so, what yeah. it was. I think it was the realization that. Some that that people in her family would go those lengths for her, maybe. Say, Say it. She's been a little shit. Got yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. Um. Well, Coley Culkin was great. I, I mean, both <laughs> little kids. They've done other movies. They've done other movies being little kids. So very professional. Good for them. And yeah, you're right. Like the daughter was a horrible actress. And, you know, and um, she's gone on to be in a lot of stuff, and she's done better. I think this is her first thing. And, you know, she's a teenager because of the first thing when she's like, do you mind? And you're just like, wow, that was not a good uh, that was not a good read, uh, John. Not good maybe, delivery. maybe we should have taken a few more takes on that. But, you know, again, it's she's, not, fr- uh, she's not Jennifer Gray who really plays it. <laughs> you know? oh, exactly. Yeah, she does a great job. Yeah. yeah. Um, with Uncle Buck, you're like, oh, he's just all talk. And then he pulls out the hatchet. And then he comes there with the drill all of a sudden making his pocket. And you're like, oh, okay. Like, he's just really ready for this. And then all of a sudden you're like, and he's in the trunk. Like, he is not all talk. So it was great. Um, they had some, like, the, sh- the movie gets so random, too, when he just makes that huge pancake out of nowhere. And you're like, oh, it's a birthday. And Dude, but can you had all that pancake mix before. To do that, like, there's nothing realistic about that at all, and it's just. But can you imagine butter? I couldn't think of like that <laughs> butter the whole time. I was like, "How do you make this huge? Like, why would you make a huge butter like that?" <laughs> it was ridiculous. Um, the movie, yeah. I mean, I, it was the daughter that really brought it down for me. It was another shame thing happening there. Um, the kid brought it down, but. But the other two I kids kind of kind of balanced it out. He's a ball sniffer. Yeah, it got really cheesy towards the end. Um, you just fall in love with John Candy because how can you not? But mm-hmm. you already know you're going to love him. So there wasn't really much. The movie, I didn't feel much during this movie at the very end of it. I was like, uh, it was whatever to me. It wasn't like a plain streets and automobiles where you're sitting there like heartbroken. It is. Yeah. yeah. And it's not going to, this movie's not going to really stick with me. I already know that. Okay. I, it probably won't be a classic for me. That's fair. Um, it's very yeah. much of its time. And so, and you know, John Candy was one of those guys he's gone now, so he's not making movies anymore. So it's like one of those things where, where'd he go? If your fans like me, he it's went to heaven. 
he went to heaven. But if you if you're a fan like I am, you hold on to every movie that he has. So it's like, oh, dude, I want to watch Uncle Buck because there's nothing else to watch. You know, beyond you know, you have a certain set of movies and then he's done. You have SCTV and the movies and that's it. So you know, yeah, and I like that scene for. Oh, I'm sorry. I was just going to say this is one of the last movies he directed. Oh, you know, John Hughes, he too. He stopped directing like way before he died. He just stopped directing. So this is like the second to last movie he directed. Yeah, I think he did one more. Uh, what did he do? Curly Duck? Sue. Curly <laughs> Sue. That's right. Okay. That was it. Uh, he's writing stuff. You know, he's writing stuff. So just he just seen, didn't want to direct anymore. So it's not going to stay with you, but did, but did you enjoy it? I like the um, the laundry scene. That was, and then and then it kind of happens throughout the movie where all of a sudden he's microwaving the clothes and you're like, oh, it's like still going. I just um, that part was funny that they kept that going. The part that I thought was um, was weird. The random thing was the big pancake. That was the most random thing in the but whole. But that movie. makes me laugh so hard because he's like, "You should see the toast." I couldn't even get it through the door. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But when you were a kid, imagine if someone made you a pancake pancake that giant. Yeah, you just... I think if I watched this as a kid, I would have been like, "This is my favorite movie because they had the biggest pancake in it." And also, um, when he punches they... the clown, it makes the clown noise. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That made me laugh. The second time he punches him, it doesn't make that sound anymore. Because it's broken. Yeah, the nose yeah. is deflated. That's always such a great yeah. gag that makes me laugh every single time because you hear the noise go honk when he gets punched. I feel like the best thing about Uncle Buck is everyone knows wants to mess with him and he's at the bowling alley. He's like, oh, hey. And he backs up from the girl. He's like, oh, hey, Buck. Yeah, well, he looks like I this big know. jolly guy, but you know he's probably gotten into some. Uh, yeah, gotten he's. Into this, yeah. Oh, you know he gave Paul pretty that black safe guy. with him. You feel, you feel pretty safe he's with him. He's not a pushover. He's not a pushover. Yeah. He, he's a nice guy, but he's not a pushover, which yeah. is great for the I like kid. that. I like that that was his character. Yeah. And um, I guess the biggest thing was that I just didn't expect him to have the stuff. Like I told you, the hatchet and the drill with him, and it kept going. <laughs> mm-hmm. I love it. I love his car. I like that he yeah. has the whole look. Uh, the tooth parts that make me laugh with the kids is uh, when both involve blasphemy is when Macaulay Culkin says, ow, my arm, God damn it. <laughs> I don't know why that makes me laugh. <laughs> and then when the girl says, uh, my uncle Mike wears his socks and the dog threw up for an hour. <laughs> oh, that's right. And she's telling the school. I forgot what the teacher said. What did the teacher say? Like, why is he ma- microwaving the socks? <laughs> She's like, because he can't get the goddamn washing machine. <laughs> <laughs> nope. Ah, makes me laugh. I love it. That's the other song that got in my head, Mr. Sandman. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> the whole movie, it just, they like play a little bit, but they play the most popular parts of it. Yeah. It just gets stuck in your head. Love it. What a great uncle. No, no, no. What about your brother? No. How about the dog? No, no. Absolutely not. Love it. What was that? A, was that a train? Yeah, it's a train at Jake's house. Jake, lover of comedy. Jake, lover of comedy. Let's talk about it. Uncle Buck. That's me, Uncle Buck. <laughs> What'd you think, Buck? 
I thought it was good. It definitely reminded me of my mom's side of the family. Are they bowlers and gamblers? Um, they're gamblers, that's for sure. Would you end up at You'd the track? Them at, uh, yeah, they used to go to the track all the time and gamble. They also always played. They always played cards out in the backyard. I love it. Um, and more than half of them were cheating in some form or another, having cards in their laps and. Wow. <laughs> But yeah, if you mess with if you mess with someone in the family, it was like Uncle Buck is like, "All right, you're gonna mess with the family, okay." And that's a great thing about the character is that it's his, it's his brother's kids. He doesn't really know them that well, but they're his family. And now you're messing with yeah. them, and now you're gonna you're in trouble because you mess with the family. Yeah, and that that to me is no. the best part of the character. No mercy. Yeah, he's gonna watch out for these kids like they're his own. You know, even though you know he's he's just supposed to be babysitting, and it's 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 an inconvenience to be sure, but he he gives it a hundred percent, hundred and ten percent. Mm-hmm. What a guy! Yeah, John Candy, I thought was fantastic in this movie. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's John Candy. You got you got to love John Candy. Yes. Uh, uh, you- and yeah, the 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 teenage daughter was was, was passable in some circles. Mm-hmm. But. Otherwise, yeah, I thought it was solid. Um, yeah, I mainly just loved all the scenes with um, Uncle Buck um, just fucking with all these boys who are trying to hit on her. <laughs> it would have, but John's right. If, John's right. If you would have put like a Jennifer Grey or somebody in there with a little bit more teeth, um, <clears throat> it would have it would have worked a little bit better because so many yeah. of the so many of the scenes and the heart of the movie hinges on that relationship with the with the daughter and the um, and her uncle. So, yeah. uh, but you know, it still works. And the, again, the kids are great. The two little kids are fantastic mm-hmm. and they're distracting enough that it kind of covers a lot of the other Patrick's going offline for a minute, but we'll get back to him. There's Patrick. Patrick, what did you think, my man? Uh, John Candy and Macaulay Culkin had me laughing my ass off. <laughs> um, oh, by the way, who had, who had not seen this before? Sorry to interrupt, Patrick. I've never seen it. You've never seen it. So none of you had seen no. it. Just John and I. Okay. None of us. Okay, go ahead, uh, Patrick. I sorry to interrupt. When Macaulay Culkin's in the kitchen washing the dishes, and he has to tell someone he's getting his, uh, he tells his mom afterwards that he's uh, he's too, he's something about like he's earning, earning his, his keep. keep. I'm earning yeah, my keep. Earning, I'm earning my <laughs> keep, mom. Right before that, he's like, "Can somebody get that?" And then he stops, and he's like, "This ninety-year-old woman going, <laughs> God damn it, I got to do everything." <laughs> so it's great. Um, but you can definitely see why they chose him for Home Alone. Uh, he was goodness, and John Candy just had me laughing the whole time. It was a lot of fun. Uh, you can definitely tell this is an 80s movie. It is very dated. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, it doesn't bother me to the point that I'm like, okay. Like, you, could, if you if you reshot, like, a lot of those scenes, like the high school scenes, which make it an 80s movie, now, you know, it would still work. So I don't think it's anything that detracts from the movie at all. Um, it was a lot of fun. I laughed. John, what did you think? Uncle Buck, my man. Uncle Buck. Yeah, it's it's a good one for John Candy. Uh, not quite as sharp as uh, like planes, trains, and automobiles, uh, but it's a similar formula. He's very funny. Every scene he's in, uh, and he also brings that poignancy. You do, you know, he's bringing something heavier to it. No pun intended. But um, what I love is how quickly the kids warmed up to him. You know, the two little ones, they warmed up immediately. Yeah. They could tell he's a kindred 
he's a kindred spirit. You know, yeah, he wants to have fun. Yeah. And I think that whole thing with the giant uh, pancake, other than just being a great sight gag, you're right. It doesn't make any sense. But you kind of got a sense earlier on that his, uh, his birthday is usually probably overlooked. She kind of says something yeah. out the door like, oh, don't forget, you know, do something for his birthday. We'll be back by then, yeah, all that stuff. Yeah, and so I think John Candy, you can almost see that he he knows that, he, you know, when you're that little, you got to make birthdays kind of a big deal. So I think you, he instinctively knew, let's go big. And so he literally goes bigger than could even be uh, pulled <laughs> off in real life, you know. You could never get a you could never get a grill that big in the kitchen. Like. <laughs> I just want to know that whole part of like him setting that part up, but you never yeah. see it. And then all of a sudden he's flipping. You're like, what, the, what is he doing? And you just see the snow shovel. It's a snow shovel. It's like a sh- <laughs> snow shovel. Yeah. And uh, just Justine's right. I, I paused it because I'm going, is that like a full stick of butter? Is that like <laughs> on, on the top? Is that how much butter is that? That's like a full stick yeah, of butter. You it's know? so weird. You just keep thinking about that butter. <laughs> but you know, I if you were a kid. <laughs> Yeah. You can lay on that pancake. Yeah. If you were a kid that age, you would love that. If you walked into the kitchen at your birthday and your uncle made you a pancake as big as the table, you would love it. You know? So and you see it in his eyes. He goes, he's just so yeah. like amazed yeah. by it. He's mind blown by this whole thing. Yeah. Um, wow. I love when he's going through the people. He's like, yeah, ID, and he's well, out the That's where they got the idea for Home Alone. That's what gave him the idea to do that scene, was or the, to I do the that. movie was that he's, scene. Well, and also that scene where he's questioning John Candy. You know, he's doing like Jack Webb. You're going, this is amazing. He's doing like a Jack Webb impression. You know, <laughs> you know how old are you? What do you do for a living? Are you married? Why not? You know, he's like, you ask a lot of questions. It's a kid. I'm a kid. It's my job. <laughs> that whole That whole bit was just hilarious. So yeah, yeah, you can see. Thirty-eight. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You have a lot of no. You have more <laughs> nose hair than my dad. Thank you for noticing. <laughs> <laughs> I like that John Candy's kid, character yeah. stood up for um, the young girl. Um, yeah, his, uh, assistant principal. I thought that was a really nice moment. Yeah, that was a nice touch. That's a nice touch where he's just all lady. You're in the wrong business. He's she's six. You know, I don't want to know yeah. a six year old who isn't a dreamer. You know, yeah. Uh, that was a great moment, and where he just says, "If I ever hear you talking about any kid here like that, I'm going to come back. You know? <laughs> I come back, I'm going to kick your ass." Uh, so you can tell through the whole thing. He's a good person. You know, he's got he's got some terrible you know lifestyle choices, but he's a good person. And I like that. Finally, he was always looking out for the. Even though she was just a terrible teenager, he was always looking out for her uh, right to the end. And I think that's when she finally figured it out, when she says, you're right. You're right about everything. <laughs> so he kind of saved her. You know, I love that, that the guy's in the trunk. That was just hilarious. Yeah. Which is all, what'd you do to Bug? And he's all smiling. <laughs> he's an amateur dentist. <laughs> uh, I love that. I also love where he's running away and he hits him with the golf ball. That was just genius. <laughs> when he just and then he drops it on the another floor. one. Uh, yep. So that's what saves it. All those comic moments save it. This will. This is like a time capsule. If you want to know what teenagers looked like in 89, this is it. When they pull up to the school and you see all these goth kids wearing black with the wacky hair and the trench coats and all that stuff, you go, yep, That's this is like a time capsule. You want to know what kids looked like in 89? This is it. There was a lot of Cure fans in that crowd right there. Um, Absolutely. Every one of those kids is trying to look like Robert Smith or, or Morrissey. Mm-hmm. You know? it's like, 
John, let me ask so, you a question. Who know. who was the neighbor channeling? Because she reminds me of somebody in something I've seen recently, and I can't figure it out. The neighbor. You know that's Lori Metcalf. Yeah, from that's Lori, that's Lori Metcalf who played Roseanne's sister on the TV show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But she's like but channeling you, you somebody. Think she's doing somebody. She's channeling yeah. somebody with that weird with that weird delivery and that weird body language that she has. Uh, and I can't yeah, think of who it doing? is. I can't think it's of who. It's almost like she's doing uh, Joan Crawford or Rosalind Russell or something. Somebody you know? weird. Somebody in, it's like a modern actress that does something similar, and I can't think of who it is in something I've seen yeah. very, very similar. But that, that's a, I love that scene. Who are you? And she's just so weird. She's such a weird. Well, the, well, the whole thing with her. Her last name being Frost. She's all, I lost my husband, but I kept the Frost. You know? And, yeah. like, and the hyphen. I kept the hyphen. It impresses people. He's all, I can imagine. You know? <laughs> <laughs> like when she says, well, I have nothing to do now but go home and wait for the Federal Express, man. <laughs> she calls uh. it Federal Express. Now we just call it FedEx. You know, it's almost the character you could imagine Tilda Swinton playing. You know? Yes, very, very like that. And then an alien, then an alien vessel now, opens up. you know what I loved? I loved when she's dancing with him. They're playing the Bo Brummels. That was the <laughs> highlight of the movie for me. That there, he's finally loosens up and is doing the twist to the Bo Brummels when his girlfriend walks in. <laughs> That's just hilarious. The great. I like when he's just staring at her and he's still moving. Yeah, yeah. he looks. Yeah. He keeps dancing. He it's looks, pretty. He it's pretty dancing. realistic. Of like, is that happening? Is that real life? Yeah, it's like you know. This is a person that should not be actually in the house right now. So that was yeah. pretty good, yeah. Uh, I don't know. So I, I guess all those moments save it. It's not a perfect movie, but there's so much to laugh at, and there's so many beautiful moments, great comedic moments, that it kind of saves it. John Candy saves it. It wouldn't be, if it wasn't him, it wouldn't be that great a movie, you know? Yeah. Anybody else? A lesser comedian would have. What does the daughter say when the guy at the bowling alley goes, oh, it was nice meeting you. And she's like, I'll remember it forever or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 She says something so stupid, but I loved it. And I'm like, can I say that in real life? You, I think people would hate me. If of I said course that you can. Life. Of course you can say it in real life. Uh, I love that he's doing that thing with the toothpick and you realize why he's got that scar on his lip. Because he keeps doing the thing with the toothpick and then it gets lodged in his mouth. You, know? <laughs> you go, that's why this guy's got a split lip. It's the toothpick. You know? I love it. That's Pal, yeah. by the way. Funny he's, stuff. He's everybody's friend. Let's let's rank What's it. That? I said he's his name is Pal, yeah. He's I'm everybody's friend. Uh, let's rank it, guys. Patrick, Uncle Buck. Uh seven. Justine, Uncle Buck. Yeah, I'll give it a seven. Jake, Uncle Buck. Seven. John Sandy, Uncle Buck. Yeah, that's that's a perfect score, seven. All right, guys. We could be unanimous. Don't do it. Don't. We could be unanimous if I wasn't, if I didn't love this movie so much. This this creeps higher than a seven for me. No, it's actually a seven. Seven, seven is perfect. One. No, it's seven. Seven all across the board. Yeah, jackpot for Uncle Buck. I'm glad you guys liked it. It is definitely dated. It's not his best, but it's far from his worst. And it's a pleasant exactly. little movie when you want to revisit. You just want to laugh. Something easy to watch. You throw it on Uncle Buck. It was it was lighthearted enough that you could feel like you could watch it again. Yeah, of course. And you watch him. Hey, in the field of local in-home entertainment, I am a god. 
<laughs> I love that line. Uh, that was a clown. That was a clown that needed punching. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm really. I'm really glad it was John Candy doing it. Get in your mouse and get the hell out of here. <laughs> That's such a great oh, line. Yeah. That's such a great line when taken out of context. All right, guys, let's move on to the Christmas classic, the overlooked Christmas classic. Everybody knows the first one. That People have argued whether or not the first one is or isn't a Christmas movie. We're not here to debate that. But this, but this movie does take place at Christmas time. We're talking. Of, we're speaking, four. of course, of the sequel to Die Hard, 1990s, Die Hard 2, colon, Die Harder. Take it away, Patrick. Uh, this 1990 film released on July 2nd, directed by Rennie Harlan, got a 7.2 on IMDb, a 69% on Rotten Tomatoes, Up with top. a budget of... Huh? Up top. With a budget of $70 million, it grossed $240 million worldwide. Huge, wow. huge hit. Massive success. Die Hard huge. 2. That's what she said. Let's find out Whoa. if it takes makes the same mistakes that all sequels do. Let's talk about it. Let's start with John Sandy. John Sandy, how did you feel about Die Hard 2? I just watched it today. I was watching it when Jake and Sandy came by. Um, I think I like this better than I did when it came out. I think when it, when it came out, I thought it was kind of a hack sequel, not that great. This seems to, uh, for me anyway, it held up a little better than I remembered. It is almost by the numbers, the exact same setup as the original. And that's usually the, the, like you said, all sequels fall into this trap. I thought it was uh, the villain was not as compelling. You can't really beat Alan Rickman for a villain, but um, I thought the setup was pretty compelling. You know, taking over the airport and, and how much tr- genuine jeopardy all those planes were in. Um, I don't know. It just it worked for me. It worked. Uh, not quite as good as the original, but uh, it definitely held my interest. And the stakes are and, high. Uh, I mean, the stakes are high in this one. You see a plane load yeah. of innocent people get blown up by the villain yeah uh so you couldn't do that now you, you couldn't do that now but it, then you know well and, and it's, it's still funny because it's 1990 so you're thinking god you know 11 years later you know you're thinking there's a lot of stuff going on on this plane that yeah you couldn't do now uh, um but it also the it, whole thing with the phone what, oh, what it took to do, to do a phone call from the plane that was kind of interesting the whole thing where you, you know air phone and all of that and uh, she's. I love the way his wife is talking about technology. And he, he says it twice. Yeah, my wife is dragging me into the 1990s with technology. <laughs> you know, they're doing faxes, you know. And yeah, yeah. He's saying technology for me peaked with the uh, microwave. You know? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a, that's a high-tech thing of being able to call from the air and then a fax yeah. machine. That was, that, was, that was the cutting yeah. edge. That was the cutting edge back then. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So it, but it did hold, hold up better for you this time. It did. I don't remember being that crazy about it when it came out, and I thought this time around, it held my interest. I wasn't bored. It's it's a little long, uh, but it, it was compelling. It, it held my interest, for sure. And um, even though it was kind of by the numbers, uh, you know, this is, they, really, they really ratchet up the suspense. Did you, and, um, did, yeah. did you feel the spirit of Christmas flowing through this movie, John? Did you feel... <laughs> Yeah, you know, it's at the beginning. It's obvious that he's he's in an airport full of 
people flying home for Christmas. And at the end, you get the Christmas music. You know, it doesn't feel much like a Christmas movie mm-hmm. between, you know, the first five minutes and the last five minutes. But, oh, just, uh, so, like, it's a wonderful know. life, then, is what you're saying. <laughs> no, that's a movie where you're pretty much feeling that Christmas spirit all the way through the movie. Hmm. But only five minutes of the movie takes place. And, and no, even when he tries much, to kill himself, there is much more Christmas going on, and it's a wonderful life. It's not not the whole movie. But yeah, there's much no, more though, going it's on. like Uncle Buck with just snow. There's just snow. There's snow. <laughs> yeah, especially if you grow up in California. Any scenario where there's snow, you're thinking Christmas. You know? Sure. So, yeah, even Uncle Buck, you're just thinking, oh, this whole thing is taking place. You know, in a pile of snow, so you're thinking Christmas, yeah. Yeah, of course, because we're from California, so we it only snows at Christmas time every time, right? Anywhere else in the world, they only get snow at Christmas time. Um, I've never seen uh, snow. Uh, but uh, so it did, that's interesting, John. That, that you you actually like it better now than you did when it was first first released. Okay. Yeah, I don't remember being that knocked out when it came out, and maybe it was too close to seeing the first one. I don't know what it was. It just at this time it kind of held me. My interest a little better, I think. All right. I can't explain it, but uh, it worked. Okay. Justine, what did you think of Die Hard 2? I feel exactly the same as John, except opposite. <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> How about that? So, I like that. So you... Um, it did not hold my interest. Uh-huh. I thought it was just the same movie. It bored me. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> But no, it's not the same movie because was he running around barefoot on the thirty fourth floor yeah. of the of the whatever tower, Arasaka Tower? No, not whatever. I don't know what it's called. I'm not. I'm not going to help you. You got to get this right. This this time. Uh, <laughs> so, so, of, the, of the Kobayashi Maru. So Justine's uh, Justine's tagline for the movie would be Die Hard Two. This time it's sideways. Would basically be. It's just not. <laughs> I mean. And then he's sitting in that chair while it blows up, and you see him screaming in the air, like, "Come on, this is so stupid!" You didn't oh, like the ejector seat. You didn't like that the grenades. Yes. Took, you don't. You didn't like that somebody threw you a know, grenade, and he had time seat. to to strap himself into that chair and and, and eject. Yeah, you didn't like that's that. Probably the worst effect in the whole movie. Visually, that was the cheesiest effect in the whole movie. You know? That's what sold it on you the trailer, though. Plane, that first plane that crashed with all the innocent people, it's like super sad and they don't sit on it long enough that you're just like, right. Okay. <laughs> we yeah. lost one plane, but you don't like no one, like you don't feel anything. It's just, it's a plot device. It just feels like a plot device. Yeah. I just didn't. And I, yeah, I think his character also kind of annoyed me because I'm like, you're doing the same thing. You're doing that weird ah. yelling. No one believes you thing. That whole act. <laughs> Oh, I what are you doing? What are you doing? What are you talking about? Huh? Is that your Bruce Willis? I mean, obviously he is playing the same character. It's a but really like, bad Bruce Willis. It's amazing. Come on, John McCain, grow up a little. John McCain. This movie. John McClain. <laughs> oh, McClain. <laughs> Sorry. You know, Justine, uh, it is by the numbers. It's almost like a carbon copy of the original, and they just Every- crossed out. They just crossed out the name. Okay, it's. An airport, not a building. It's this guy, not this guy. This guy's being a pain in the ass. It's almost a carbon copy, you know. So yeah, you're right. I mean, everything you said about how you felt when you first saw it, I was like, I agree, I agree. And then you turned it around. <laughs> I can't turned explain it. it. It's and been... I was like, oh, 
Well, I feel opposite. I felt exactly how you felt in the movie theater the first time. Yeah. It was not... I wasn't entertained. I was pretty bored. And then all the other things happened. I'm like, this is stupid. I'm watching the same movie again. And now he's in the sky. And there's... I've seen that clip. I just didn't know where that clip was coming from. And now you know. Um, and now I know where that flame and him being on the chair, like what movie it is. I love That's it. all I got from this movie. Um which is disappointing because I love the first Die Hard. Oh. Yeah. I've never seen this movie, by the way. I don't know if you asked me. Uh, well, did you ever seen this, Justine? I've only seen Die Hard. I've never seen the other ones. Oh, so. let me tell you oh, something. You let me tell you something. Let me tell you something, mm-hmm. Justine. I'm going to tell you this right now. Justine, Die Hard with a Vengeance is one of my wife's favorite movies of all time, which is the third one. Is that the recent one? The, no, it's no, the it's third one. It's the third one. It's the okay. one. It is one of Nicole's favorite movies of all time. I'm not talking about. I know she likes sequels, so I was kind of worried about me not liking this one. No, she had never. She had never it. seen it. She had never seen it, and she was, she was, inter- she was watching it only because I was watching it, and she didn't watch enough of it to. Uh, she but, didn't. Um, let me just say, she didn't look the, very interested. The yeah. third one. Uh, the third one does depart. It, it's not just by the numbers. It's a whole different plot line, right? Oh yeah. With the. Uh, what is is that the one with Samuel L. Jackson where they got to do the uh, the wild yep. goose hunt? Shh, don't, yeah. don't, mm-hmm. don't spoil it. Don't spoil no, it. No, don't, don't stop it, John. Yeah. No more. Let it happen. Just let it happen. I can't say Samuel L. Jackson. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> that's now good I stuff. Know the movie. Yeah, it's it's a good one. That's one of Nicole's favorites. Uh, well, because uh, they figured it out. They said we've got to come up with a new plot line. It can't just be the usual thing, you know. Mm-hmm. And I think Which is the one with Kevin Smith? I think that's four. Mm. Uh, which they is, just kept cranking them out. I guess I didn't see the last one. Was there a fifth? <laughs> yeah, it's A Good Day to Die Hard, I think. With his daughter. Yeah, and they, they had it come out on Valentine's Day, so I didn't know if it was still a Christmas movie or not. Well, now it's a Valentine's Day movie. This one comes out in July, so I mean, I but, guess. But it takes place at Christmas. Oh, this came out in the summer, huh? Just yeah. like the original Die Hard came out in the summer. Now, which one has Jason Statham in it? None of them. Hmm, I see. Do you want Jason Statham in one of these movies? That was Crank. Maybe. <laughs> You're mispronouncing it, John. That was the one he did. Uh, John, those are, di- those, the, are uh, those are directed by Luke Basson. Those, it's called Crank. Basson? <laughs> or is it... Uh, the transporter. Uh, he, he had a whole chain of those, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, crank, transporter, mm. uh, magnitude, a bunch of those. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. Patrick, uh, let's talk about your so favorite Christmas movie, Die Hard 2. I'm actually kind of opposite from John and Christine. My biggest complaint about this thing is the what? fact that there's, I know you guys keep saying that it's the same as the first one. But in the first one, the one thing that makes that movie really wonderful is the relationship that he has with Sergeant Powell. And that doesn't exist in this movie in the same way. And that's what also works about the third one is that relationship with the person he has to work with and is forced to be with. And that's what makes that kind of that buddy cop special moment. Mm. Um, And you don't get that from this movie. And that's what I don't like about this one. So this is actually my least favorite of the first three. Um it's still fun. It's still got all the dumb lines. It's still got all the exciting action and stuff like that. But 
it's probably the weaker of the trilogy. All right. Um, but I mean, it's, it's a fun movie. It's, it's, if I'm going to watch Die Hard, I usually watch the first one, then I'll skip this one and I'll watch the third. Yeah. Cause he does kind of partner up a little bit with, uh, the janitor guy and then he partners up with like the yeah it's not the same no 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 not at all but you know he, he partners up with the steward with the uh with the reception whatever whatever her name is that the oh airport. yeah there's she oh, definitely I has mean, airport desk clerk mm-hmm. and then he partners they, up with I mean, a guy who up. with the with the communications guy with the code with the code not the communication, but yeah, the guy who tries to get out. Maps to the, and everything. Yeah. He's really honing it out in this one. And then yeah, all the partners. And then he gets, he tries to hook up with Dennis Franz. And then, yeah. uh, I do like that. He has no cachet that he's just uh, like the other cops. Like, well, yeah, whatever, dude. Uh, even though, you know, cause you think he's going to be this big hero after Nakatomi Plaza. And I, I like, kind of like that. People are just like, eh, whatever. Um, they're just like, meh, fuck you. Yeah, Exactly. Uh, you know the, the plots are always. You know the hard the hard thing about this is the plots far fetched. I mean, I'm not saying that a bunch of terrorists, you know, take over a building to steal bonds in the first one is 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 isn't far fetched. But the idea, you know, you have this traitorous army unit and all this stuff, and they're they're going with the drug lord, and the drug lord is just going to take them so they can go live on a beach somewhere, and like nothing's going to happen. That's such a bad plan, you know. It's it's such a horrible plan. It's so Why didn't just hire a private charter and yeah. then no one is the wiser anyway. Yeah, exactly. But uh uh there are definitely there's some good action scenes in here. Uh it's it's not it's not a total loss, but I can see where you're coming from, Patrick. There is no heart in the movie really per se. Yeah. Um and there is one definitely when you watch Die Hard again. And there is one in three. That relationship is really what make what drives the movie. The, the way oh, Sam, Sam Jackson and, and uh and Bruce Willis are forced to work together. That really works for the movie. Three captures the magic of one. I, I and it's the same director. That's the thing. It's John McKiernan. Yeah, it's the same director. This and was, uh, you feel you feel the stakes. The stakes. You know, that's the key. Is when you really feel the stakes are high. You know. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, you're right. And they do a good job in three with making you understand what's at stake, but we won't get into that because right. our friend uh, Justine still hasn't seen it. Uh, Jake, let's talk about the Christmas classic Die Hard 2. Die Hard 2. What did you think, Jake? Pass. What do you mean, pass? Pass. Did you not watch it? <laughs> no, I watched it. Oh, it's just a pass. It's, 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 yeah, it's, it's okay. Yeah, there's just there's no magic. There's I no magic, you know, Bruce, you know, I mean, you get Bruce Willis, but you don't get, yeah, you don't get, you don't get his, you know, his buddy that he's stuck with that they develop a nice bond with. They throw him in there as like a, Hey, remember this guy from the last movie? <laughs> still likes Twinkies. Yeah. Yeah. He's in there for like five minutes and he uses a fact. Yeah, and remember that, remember that awesome villain that we had with Alan Rickman? This guy's. Naked doing white. Tai Chi in his hotel room. <laughs> He's white. You know, see, it's great. It's perfect. That's, yeah. Yeah. There's uh, just, yeah, there wasn't really anything. They didn't, I feel like they didn't try in this movie. It's, it's, I mean, he is menacing. Yes. And he's physically threatening for Bruce Willis. Uh, what's, what's funny to me is, Jake just hit on something. This is almost like a diehard ripoff that just happens to star. The same guy as the movie that it's ripping off, mm-hmm. you know. It doesn't. There's no. Yeah. There's nothing. 
there's it's there's just yeah the things that made the first Die Hard great. It's not really in this. Are you saying what this felt like was? I will uh, say. You ever see? I will say. Okay. You ever see Under Siege with uh, Steven Seagal? No. Because that was a diehard ripoff, and that's kind of what this one feels like. Is I think I have. He's I on a, remember it. Because it, it was like a, the uh, deaths in this movie. It was a bunch of government. Uh, it was a bunch of like rogue soldiers taking over a battleship mm-hmm. or something, and Steven Seagal is like a, a cook on the ship, and he has to single handedly, you know, disrupt the whole thing. This kind of felt like that. Only you get mm-hmm. Bruce Willis doing it, so. He's a cook? Yeah, it was an awful it's, movie. It's Steven Seagal, so, I mean, you can't ask for a lot. Because he can't, he can't act, so that brings the whole movie down about eight notches. You know, he just cannot act. It's no, like watching a Chuck Norris movie. Wrist, it's not enough to just have a guy who can fight. Like, you watch a Chuck Norris movie, he can't act, so that brings it all the way down. It's not enough and to just have somebody is, like, fight. Seagal's fighting while he is good is not necessarily the most believable when he's throwing that gut around. (laughs) You know what's funny? Jackie Jackie Chan actually said it, actually came out and defended, well, he he damned it with faint praise. You know, he said that, you know, the the type of martial arts that, that I forgot what style is, Jackie Chan said that it doesn't translate well to film. So people don't really know how good of a martial artist he is. He's really good. But then the thing is that he's too fat, is what Jackie Chan said in an interview. He said, you know, he's, Steven's about problem is Steven that, about Steven Seagal. He said his problem is he's fat. Yeah. He's too fat. He said, but that's very hard to, that's a very hard martial art to film. It doesn't look good because it's not mm. flashy like kung fu or, or karate. It's very um, direct. It's yeah. It's it's very. You're you're moving. You're using like people's body weight against them and stuff like that. So it's not very cinematic. But uh, he said Steven Seagal is very good. People don't understand how good he is, but he's also too fat. Was I remember reading that? It's like wow. I guess if anybody could should step up to Steven Seagal and say anything, it'd be Jackie Chan because I'm sure he could defend himself. Um, but back to speaking of self defense, uh, we got to see somebody naked in this movie. Justine, do you feel like this is a blow for equality when you get to see a man naked and no naked women. Absurd. For the, well, this came out in 90s. I was going to say for the 80s, yeah. Well, 90s has boobs too, so. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, let's keep it equal, guys. Yeah, there you go. You got to see, you got to see some male nudity. You didn't have to sit through any female nudity. So yeah, I, felt like, we... I feel like you scored one. So that's probably worth a point or two when you total up your points. Why are you trying to get it more points? Mario? I'm not. I'm on. The, I'm on the fence. I can go either way. John could convince me that I love this one, and you guys can convince me that it's not as good as I think it is. So I'm very. There's up- a point for it. The deaths in this movie are outrageous. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of really gruesome. There's some gruesome stuff. And there's a crushed by that metal. What it was by the. I forget what that is. Yeah, there's oh, a the metal luggage press. Or the luggage yeah. press. Yeah. Yep. Yep. That felt like a James Bond scene or something. Yeah, it's so it did. stupid. There's yeah. a really great, there's a really great dummy kill when the guy gets crushed mm-hmm. by the, by the uh, scaffolding, which weighs about 13 yeah. pounds in real life. <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, he gets, it would bruise you slightly. You get a young Robert Patrick very quickly. What do I look like to yeah. you? A sitting duck. Christ. Yeah. He's barely in it. Yes, yeah, pre <laughs> pre Terminator Two. After Terminator Two. You know he'd be he'd be a hot commodity for a little while. Um, yeah, but yeah, I, I can go either way about uh, Die Hard Two. It's not 
my least favorite action movie. It's not my favorite action movie. It's just kind of exists in a weird space. And uh, it's definitely, it definitely suffers from being in the shadow of Nakatomi Tower. I will say that. Um, Die Hard honestly changed the game as an action movie. The original Die Hard, nobody expected to be a success. You had this Bruce Willis that turned into a superstar. He was kind of an everyman type of hero. He was not like the Schwarzeneggers and the Stallones and everybody you saw in those action movies in the 80s. Very different. So it, it changed a lot. And when you're expecting to do that twice, it's kind of hard to do when you have like kind of a weird. This seems like something that was another project. It was going to be another movie. And then they just said, let's do it as a diehard movie. That's really what it feels like. Mm hmm. It's based, I guess it was based on a book that already existed. So, mm, yeah, so maybe they just thought, hey, we can do this as a diehard. Right. So, all right. Well, I'm sorry it failed in the Christmas spirit, but see, Uncle Buck was all about family, and Christmas is about being together with your family, guys. And Ohana means family, and family means uh, I don't want you going to that party with Bug. You know what I'm saying? Bug. All right. Don't date a dude named Bug. Justine, let's rank Die Hard 2 colon Die Harder. Five. The Die Hard. Five. Just below Casablanca in Justine's book. <laughs> we gotta stop. You guys should be you guys should be happy about that. Um, <laughs> we gotta we gotta stop saying that. <laughs> For those of you just joining us, yeah, Justine gave uh, Casablanca a six. And we will never let her live it. It's twice down. as good. It's at least twice as good as every James Bond movie. How's that? Yeah, Justine, did you like this better than any James Bond movie? Mm, I like Lazenby and Sultan's movies. Okay, <laughs> so those are better than Die, than Die Hard 2. All right, I'll take Maybe that. Maybe the more we keep watching um, James Bond, the more I'll have less movies that I like of James Bond. Maybe well, get, I feel like maybe you'll get Stockholm syndrome and you'll start loving them for no apparent reason. <laughs> Whoa! Just the pain. I feel it like wow. I feel like uh, like Pierce Brosnan is not going to solidify this relationship. That's I'm just going to say that. Um, <laughs> all right, it's going to be Daniel Craig. Uh, Jake, what do you give Die Hard well, to? Die Hard. My mom said. My mom said that he was puny and it wasn't believable. Oh, okay. You always listen to your mother. So we'll see. Uh, Jake? Six. You give it a six. Six. So if you were Justine, you would like it just as much as Casablanca. That's high praise. Just as much. Uh, mm. Patrick? Seven. Seven? You're going to give Die Hard 2 a seven? Yeah. It's still good. It's just, it's like I gave Die Hard the first one's a ten. Yeah. So yeah. Okay. You scale it down from there. That's a respectable score. Seven. Yeah. John? Yeah, uh, seven's about right. So you liked it just as much as Uncle Buck. All right. All right. I'm going to give it a 6.5. 6 uh, I like it. I don't hate it. Again, I'm in the middle about this movie. I think there's some great action sequences. I think there's some great scenes in the movie. There's some stuff that's just really dumb. So, uh, you know, I mean, it's, it's kind of a, a, mish, a mishmash. Uh, I enjoy Bruce Willis in this role. Even though he doesn't have a lot to do, you get a lot, you know, you get to see him yell at Dennis Franz. You see, you know, there's a, there's a lot of cool stuff. And then the stuff, the whole stuff with Harvey in the plane and, you know, him getting punched out. I love that stuff. That's always great. Him just being a jerk. Getting tased. Yeah, he's, he's, he's a great 80s villain, that guy. 
Um, I can't think of that actor's name, but uh, but it's William just, Atherton. It, thank you. It's also uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Why is everybody in DC? Everybody just happens to be, you know, where they need to be. I can't think of the word for yeah. that, but yeah. It's convenient. A, it's, yeah, yeah, very convenient. Very, it's very. Uh, well, I mean, everybody's it's like, at the same airport. Mm-hmm. It's uh, lazy writing. <laughs> yes, mm-hmm. yes. Uh, but yeah, a common theme which extends out into the 21st century. But I'll tell you what. What I've noticed now, though, that the lady who plays the reporter, you don't get ladies that look like that anymore. That was a very 80s kind of thing to get like a very uh, specific look, a very specific kind of mousy look for those roles. And I don't think there's a lot of I don't think there's a lot of roles for for actresses, it, it, and it sucks because it's you know she was finding what she was doing, but there's not a lot of roles for w- women who just look average, and you know it made me really think about that. You know, someone's either got to be like a, a real you know somebody really beautiful, even in the smallest roles now, or they've got to be somebody like the opposite, where you're 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 playing somebody just because they're you know this woman's fat or something like that and we're going to play it for a laugh it's really kind of horrible and i was just thinking about there's really no spot for women like that to just look like women you know and i don't know i don't know it's only like it's the way hollywood operates like you know remember that movie with uma thurman and janine garofalo and she's supposed to be like this plain jane cat and dog yeah and i was thinking only in Hollywood is Janine, somebody who looks like Janine Garofalo, this sort of plain wallflower. Anybody else, anywhere else in the world, that would be a knockout. But in Hollywood, next to Uma Thurman, she gets to play the bookworm, you know, the librarian. You know, it's sure. Like, on what on what planet is Janine Garofalo not cute? You know. Yeah, but she's not a knockout. Yeah, yeah. It just made me no. think. I don't know. I was like, you don't see actresses that look like that anymore. She's just kind of like a. Like she would like be a real people. she would be a mom in like an eighties sitcom that that woman you know right. and I, there was nothing getting there was nothing compelling about her performance I'm not trying to defend her as an actress but I'm just saying as a person it sucks that people get kind of pigeonholed into these you you watch movies like this you're like why don't you see people that look like that anymore you know it's like like well, like, like, like real people yeah what you want is that kind of sticks out when you see a movie where people just look like real people. You don't get that much, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like I believe Dennis France would be a cop, like like a like a desk cop. I could believe, and the yeah. guy that wrote the ticket, I could totally his cousin or whatever. Like that looks believable to me. It's like these guys, you've seen a cop that looks like that. You know what I mean? We've all seen guys yeah. that look like that. So that was kind of there was there was some believable faces in here that that really struck me. You know, like I was like, oh yeah, the people on the plane look like people you'd see on a plane. You know. Uh, yeah. So I, there's there's one little I mean it might be damning with faint praise but you know I thought it was an interesting cast to look at and you know the faces they chose and stuff so and we forgot uh, I can't think of his, the actor's name but the father from Good Times it's always good to see him even when he's playing a duplicitous John Amos John Amos thank you he's, even when he's playing a duplicitous uh, army colonel it's always good to see him I didn't see that coming. You know, I, I was like, "Oh, I forgot this guy was <laughs> this guy was totally a turncoat." Yeah, but I do love that line. He's like, he goes, "I he goes, maybe you're not as big an asshole as I thought." He says, "I'm an asshole, but I'm your kind of asshole." It's like I, I like that line. That's a great line. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm gonna give this one. I'll give Di- oh, six point six point five seems seems right to me. And uh, yeah. you know, let me ask you guys a question, and this we're gonna close on. Uh, this is the controversial question. Is Die Hard a Christmas movie? Yes or no? Justine? Yes. Patrick? Uh, yeah. 
uh, Jake. Yes. John. No, I don't. I don't think so. Not, it's not really a Christmas movie. It, it happens to take place like Christmas week. Beyond that, it doesn't feel like a Christmas movie. Yeah, we, just tacking a Christmas song on, on at the end doesn't do it for me. Okay, that's a fair assessment. What did I say about the first one? We've had this conversation before. What did I? How did I come down on no, the first? You, that's one? what I'm asking about the first one. I'm asking about. Do you think that? Oh, is oh a, the first one. Yeah, the first one. Um, yeah, it's a long shot. I guess sort of. I guess it's more of a Christmas movie than this one. Yeah, I'm gonna. It's a coming home for Christmas story. I'm gonna reveal. Yeah. I'm gonna reveal a little secret. John knows this about me. I like to play what's called the devil's advocate, and I saw Die Hard in a theater in August of 1988. Uh, with my cousin Peter. Shout out to my cousin Pete. Uh, I don't know if he's listening, but he might be. So this movie never felt. I mean, in the in the in August, I remember thinking, "Oh, it takes place at Christmas." And it made sense for the movie. It's like this guy's coming to see his wife. So, of course, I've never felt like this is a Christmas movie. I think this is something that people started just saying to be funny, and it took off. Um, yeah. I think it, but I think it's turned into a thing. Like somebody dipped ranch into some French fries, and now it ranch is a condiment. It's like, no, it's still a dressing. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Uh, you don't dip wow, your tacos. Wow, that's a hell of an analogy. You don't, um, you don't dip your tacos you know into it. <laughs> but uh, you know, um, it's funny that you say that because uh, it's a wonderful life. If I'm right, I, uh, that would that did not come out in December. That was not a seasonal movie. I think that might have come out uh, like in the spring or the summer. It was not. It was not something that came out in December, if I recall. Yeah. Um, maybe Patrick could look that up. Well, uh, um, I, uh, that's what's funny about that. That was not intended to be a Christmas movie. I will I tell you. I will. I will tell you this. I'm going to tell you two things right now, and I'm not going to tell you where I land on it. I it's don't. Yeah. Seventh. Hmm? Oh, okay. After, after Christmas. Christmas. I will tell you this though. If you want to participate in 24 Days of Die Hard, if you break the movie into five minute and 30 second increments, by the 23rd you will have reached the credit sequence. Meaning, on the twenty fourth, you start. You watch the movie every day for five minutes and thirty seconds. You break it up like a serial every day, and on the twenty third, you'll be done. I found this out because I just finished it today. Tomorrow, I will watch on Christmas Eve. I will watch Die Hard two in its entirety after breaking it down, and you get to celebrate what we call twenty four days of Die Hard. And you can do that every year, five minutes and thirty seconds. I challenge you next year you to do... participate. That. Why don't you do both movies and then break it up into segments so you can watch both of them. So then you watch the last five minutes on New Year's Eve. Because one of them is in a Christmas movie. Okay. Where do you come down on this, Mark? I I will never consider. I will never reveal my, my answer. It's part of what we have to have some mystery on the show. John has to keep. I see. This is a, this is a a beast that we have to keep feeding. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Understandable. Now, before we break, I do, I do want, I do want to wish everyone a wonderful Christmas, a wonderful holiday, and admonish you to please stay safe. Uh, things are crazy here in California. It is absolutely awful. Um, in the last three weeks, um, I probably know about a dozen people who have come down with COVID nineteen. Uh, thankfully, most of those cases have been mild, but you never know. 
Um, I'm hearing some other stories where they're not so happy endings. So please, 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 everybody, please be careful. Wear your mask. Socially distance. Uh, have as wonderful a holiday as you can while staying safe. Um, we appreciate you guys. We appreciate the listeners. We appreciate all our friends that we've made the world over, all over the country, all over the world. Uh, for everybody here at the Superiority Complex, we there. Everybody's waving at the camera right now. They're all waving. Uh, this isn't going to be put out anywhere, but they are all waving. They're blowing kisses. Uh, I think Justine just put up a middle finger. John is saluting. Uh, Patrick's rubbing his beard. Jake's doing something. I can't see his hands are down below. Um, Justine's doing the live long and prosper. John Sandy's throwing up the West Side sign. Uh, Justine just made L.A. fingers. This is fantastic. This is all great. This is like mime. Mime is money, guys. But we want to wish everybody happy holidays. Happy Hanukkah. Merry Christmas. All the holidays. Uh, God bless each and every one of you. We will be back next week. Next week, our movies will be a James Bond double feature to close out the year 2020. Because Justine didn't have a bad enough year, we'll come back with... View to a kill. Yell it out. And for your eyes only. And that's how we're going to say goodbye to 2020. So for John, for Justine, for Patrick, for Jake, we say Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, fight the power. This transmission ends now. <laughs>